Hey guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley and this is our second takeover from Shropshire Mental Health Support. We did the first one and that episode got a whole lot of love and I've never seen traction like it on a podcast released on The Biscuit. So we're going to do the second one, we're probably going to do a third one and I would definitely expect fourth one if it works and people are going to listen to it we're going to make it and um, so today we're we're going to find out more in general about the team uh, what they do and um, we're going to learn about the sanctuary and also we're going to open open this up to you guys Um, for the next time we we do have one booked in for in in a few weeks time Um, but if there's something you would like us to cover on these on these takeover sessions if um, if you're a specialist and you're listening to this and you'd like to come on and talk um, if you've got a particular situation you're struggling with and you're open enough to want to come on the podcast and talk about it please get in touch um, we'd love to hear from you so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on too much I'll catch you guys at the end of the podcast to share numbers and links and things with you um, but uh, yeah this is our second takeover by Shropshire Mental Health Support let's get to it Hello guys and welcome to the Shoes with Biscuit podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Um, now before we get into this episode, I just want to say that um, a while ago we did uh, a, ment- a Shropshire Mental Health Support takeover uh, where we, we came to the offices at Shropshire Mental Health Support and we let them take over an episode with Helen. Um, if you've not gone back, um, if you've not heard that episode, go back and listen to it because it was extraordinary. And the... The reaction to that podcast was phenomenal. I was explaining to Ruth just because we're back here doing it again um, that uh, to see an episode take off in the style that it did, the amount of uh, downloads it got, the amount of reactions we've got. Uh, generally, you know, uh, I, I do get comments and, and people do email in and, and write messages about a particular podcast, but like we got loads for that one. So um, Ruth and I got our heads together and um, we decided that. We're going to keep doing these. Um, I want to create like a, a, ca- a regular casual sort of clinic when it comes to mental health with Shropshire Mental Health Support. So, Ruth, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here again. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, yeah, last time it was just incredible, the, su- the support that we got for that episode in particular. Yeah, we, you know what? We really enjoyed doing it. And also Helen, our guest, I think when she, you know, as she came in, obviously she was quite nervous, as were we. Um, and actually when she left, she just felt, you know, her, I can't remember quite the words she used now, but she, I think, just relieved. And actually, you know, it was just a nice opportunity for her to tell her story and hopefully help other people, which is, you know, the main, the idea really. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole goal of of this podcast it doesn't matter if we're talking about beans on toast if someone's at home listening and they're taking that that takes their mind off their their troubles for a little bit that's a good thing if we're talking about a a particular issue that needs to be brought out to the forefront that's a good thing like all this podcast is designed to to help people so i'm so proud of what we did for that one so um thank you to everybody that was involved in that um so the idea of doing these regularly um what 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 are your thoughts sort of thoughts and plans on how we can well I think I'm just passionate about mental health as I know everyone in our team is and we want everyone to obviously be aware of our services save lives where we can but just you know offer that free support 
that we know is not always necessarily available, especially in the way that we do it. Like we had a meeting the other day and we were talking about how, you know, someone can call our service straight away when they're at that point, where, you know, in crisis or they just need to speak to someone. And usually they can speak to someone straight away, which I think is just, you know, not many other services in Shropshire can can um, do that. So, yeah, so we just want to reduce stigma around mental health, help as many people as we can and make pe make sure people are aware of our services. And also we've got a big event to promote on the 10th of September, which is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, we are joining with Shrewsbury Football Town Foundation and we're doing an event. All the, um, we're, we're, it's gonna be a walk around town. We're just about to sort of nail down all the bits and bobs that we're doing for it at the moment. So there'll be more to come on that, but that will be on the 10th of September, so. Sounds great. Sounds great, and I'm glad that we can we can give you guys something to to, to build on the build up to that. Yeah. Um, some uh, some content that you can use, and you know this audio away from the podcast and give to you, so you can use it for whatever you want to use it for. You know, so and you've we've got uh, we've got a team around us today. Do you want to introduce the the team that we got with us? Yeah, so we've got Amanda who works for us and who works for Shropshire Mental Health Support. She works in our sanctuary service, and what else do you work in? Amanda? I also um, facilitate the Reconnect Wellbeing Group as well in Oswestry and nice. at Berwyn Prison as well. I've done it there, which has been brilliant. Great opportunity doing that. And I'm also supporting people in another service called the ED service, which is the emergency department service where people are referred to us and we offer them ongoing support over a number of weeks and um, support really tailored to suit what they need. So do so, lots of bits and bobs. So what does that, what does that entail? And is that, is that people that are in serious, uh, whether in um, uh, crisis, um, yeah, so with the ED role, it's a referral it's referral base. So people come to us if they've um, gone to the emergency department in crisis and they're recognised as being someone who could do some further report. We can support, we can support them in that way. Um, and the overnight crisis service is support there and there, there and then on the spot. So people are referred into us via the police, the ambulance or the crisis team. So we see people who are in that moment um, feeling perhaps suicidal or at risk of harming themselves. And if it seemed appropriate for them to come to us rather than the hospital, then we see them if we can and um, hopefully de-escalate them and enable them to feel safe enough to go home. It's good. It, it, I First of all, thank you. And anybody else that's involved in, in vital services like this. Um, and I'm glad that we got you on today because there's something I want to talk to you about that went vi okay. viral a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll circle back to it. And who else have we got today? And we've got Marie. Who's so you back? know Marie from last time. Yeah, we managed to get her back again. <laughs> so Marie also works in Sanctuary, but of, of course you've got your other roles as well. Yes. I've got the other roles. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there we go. A new role as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the new role. <laughs> yes, um, I've got a new job. So I'm the deputy manager. You're the deputy manager? <laughs> I still can't quite believe it myself, so I forget to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great sign of a good manager, though, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm the manager? Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I do take the role seriously, but I think because oh, I've worked here so long. <laughs> Just sort of go where I need to be, really. 
Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad that you... Congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. And it's great to have you back as well. Thank you. Because you were fantastic last time. Um, yeah, so th- talking about sort of mental health and, and sort of like we, we realised that there's... there's the, when you talk about mental health, there's a huge umbrella for a lot of different things, isn't there? Yeah, my goodness, there is. And I think every time, you know, sort of we put anything out on Facebook or anybody who I speak to, actually, as soon as I say what charity I work for, it opens up a conversation. So we know that people are just, you know, I think we've got to a point where I think people are willing to talk about their mental health. Um, It's just being able to open that conversation, start it. and, And like I say, just keep reducing the stigma so people have that opportunity to talk about it and know that it's okay and that there's support available. So, yeah, so today we, we mainly want to talk about our sanctuary service, which Amanda was talking about. Um, you know, it's a service that we're proud of. Um, and I just thought it'd be nice to have people who work on that front line with these uh, visitors of our service and just tell you a little bit more about it. Absolutely. Take it away. So the Shropshire Sanctuary Service was established in June 2017. It provides support at the time of need for people ex- experiencing acute mental health crisis. We, open, we operate 365 evenings and nights a year and provide person-centred listening to support people in de-escalating their mental health crisis. Shropshire Sanctuary helps save lives and has so far saved public services nearly 4 million and has supported nearly 900 visitors. So, yeah, I think we're doing quite a good job. And, you know, I, I've not worked in the service myself, so I'm just actually just as interested as any, anybody else. I'm always in the office in the day, so I don't actually hear much what goes on in the evening. But it's something that really interests me, and I just, I'd love to know, well, I think we'd all love to know just a little bit, the referral process, how people, you know, present when they come in, and just as much as you can tell, just so listeners, you know, know a little bit more about the service that we're providing. So who wants to go first? I'll talk a little bit, if that's okay, Marine. You can fill in the blanks. Um, It's a very unique service. I, um, you know, the the professionals that we come across always say how grateful they are for it, and I don't think other regions have this service. So basically, as I mentioned before, the police and the ambulance service will use our service when it's more appropriate for the people that they come across in crisis. So they might meet someone or have a 999 call and be called to someone who's on a bridge. They might have harmed themselves. They might have intention to harm themselves. They might be a missing person. They might be on the edge of the river. Um, And ordinarily, without us, I suppose, those public services would take that person to the hospital to get a mental health assessment um, but all too often, if if they go down that route, that person might be feeling, might be waiting a long time, might be feeling overwhelmed at going into the hospital. It might escalate the problem. So if those services feel that we would be a more appropriate way to de-escalate the situation, they can bring them to us. And our environment in which we have the services like a home from home it's like a sitting room there's lamps the kettle's always on there's biscuits there's a settee it's really comfortable cushions we've got blankets if people need it so I think more often than not coming to our sanctuary service is is you know it's often more appropriate than going to hospital um, and possibly waiting for hours and hours and hours to be seen and then often getting sent home again so where if, if, if that person, that vulnerable person can come along and have a chat with myself and a, and a colleague, 
they can get it all out of the system. We can chat. We can go from there. Um, we can hopefully put a plan in place for them and give them a little bit of hope. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's set up as a homely sort of more yeah. comfortable space. Yeah. I think that's really good because, you know, when you, when you think about hospitals, the, the, they're too clinical. The, the, when it comes to someone that's in crisis, um, I, I mean, I talk about it now and if I, I, depending on how I feel about it, I might take it out later. But I've worked with people in crisis for years. You know, I've, yeah. I've been there and I've, I've seen how people are when they are completely oblivious to anything or anyone around them, yeah. they are in crisis. Uh, and, you know, to throw them into a hospital where it's beep, beep, and all these massive yeah. lights and there's people rushing around and there's the smells and there's people looking at you and stuff. Mm. It's really important, I think, to offer somewhere that's a bit more cosy and a bit more relaxed. You mm. know? The, the, and the, because our environment is so non-clinical, we're just able to offer that really reassuring safe space. So people come in and they can talk for as long as they need to it's not a time limited service so we're not sort of clock watching as soon as they come in and saying you've got your two hours start now sometimes people have to be there a good 40 minutes to an hour to sort of like de-escalate and have to be able to talk to us so it's not a service that's rushed it's non-clinical and there are times when there's exceptions to the rule and they might need further support of which we have um, a process to get that support. Um, we also have referrals sometimes from the crisis team and the access team so people can call in there and then if the access team and the crisis th team think it's appropriate they'll refer to us. Um, it's the same support offered once they get through our door. Is it referral only? Or? Yes, yeah, it, it is, is yeah. yeah. Because what we don't want to happen, if we, we might have two visitors in, and sometimes we'll, people will turn up at the door, which is okay if we've got space, but what we don't want to happen is someone to turn up at the door and we've got to turn them away because the service runs overnight as well. Nothing so worse no. no to someone while they're... Yeah, and it, it does happen. So, you know, when people come to the service, we always reassure them what we do that they're safe what we can and can't do and you know and we always as well say you know if you if you find it helpful you can ask the crisis team access team if you find yourself in a situation with the police or ambulance if you find it helpful mention the sanctuary ask if you can come in again but it is important that you know we've got that space you know we're very keen that we don't get in that situation where someone's knocking at the door and we don't know what to do with them. Mm. Um, I mean, we would ensure their safety, but referral only works well, doesn't it? It works yeah. best. And how long has the sanctuary been running for? Did... So since 2017. Um, but I think when it first started, it was on a lot smaller scale. So it was open shorter hours, I think, probably from about four o'clock in the afternoon till midnight. To so there is with... growth since then. It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it just keeps growing. I think it would keep growing, wouldn't it? It yeah. would, yeah. yeah. So what are the opening times now? When does the sanctuary service run from until? So Monday to Friday, it opens at 5. Right. Um, and then it will close at 7am. Right. But at a weekend, it's open from 3pm and it closes at 9am on a Saturday and Sunday morning. Okay. And do you have sort of busier times? Are there are weekends more busy would you find or is there any pattern to it I, I've been doing this job for four years and I'm yet to find a pattern yeah. 
it oh, really is hard to <laughs> pin down like you would expect it to be quite busy on a Friday night maybe but that's not always the case is it sometimes it's really busy sometimes it's quiet um yeah it's really hard to tell I think perhaps in winter when the nights are longer mm. it, it picks up a bit and particularly around Christmas as well yeah holiday times yeah I suppose it's probably fair to say that it does get a bit busier but it, not necessarily whether it's in the afternoon or overnight but I think certainly holiday periods yeah. do you ever um, get overwhelmed sometimes I mean with, with it being referral only you're saying you have had to turn people away but with it being referral only I expect it doesn't get to the point where you're like ah, ah but it has to be manageable yes um we work closely together as a team and there's a lot of trust there. We have to trust in each other a lot that we've got each other's backs because it can be quite challenging. You don't know how someone is going to be when they come through the door. We have limited kind of insight into how they are. Um, but we, we work well to manage it, don't we? Mm. We work really well together um, and manage each situation as it happens. Um really don't we yeah you have to look after each other because we don't want each other to burn out either um yeah. yeah so there's a lot of um support given to our colleagues and as far as a team goes sanctuary team and the wider team we're a massively supportive team so um you know we all acknowledge our values and our skills and what what we're able to achieve together and definitely in sanctuary at times there can be an element of unpredictability if people are so unwell um having said that you know we do manage it do we need to take time out sometimes after yes but we debrief together you know so i think it's fair to say we always feel supported um and we take every visitor as they present with us yeah we if you've worked in mental health you know that no nobody's the same that everything's different every day is different mm. every 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 client is different um you know it, it, the unpredictability of it all can can sometimes be the draw i think but i mean like it, it can be like a new challenge every single time a new a new puzzle to solve you know and i don't mean that to sort of um <laughs> to to take the human element away from it but sometimes it's nice when you you can get make a breakthrough with someone, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen it yeah. over the years. Mm. You know, yeah. It's if if we can get people, it's an amazing thing to to be able to send somebody home where they feel safe to go home, ready to go home. When two or three hours earlier they were so overwhelmed and so upset and distressed, we don't want that for anybody. You know, we absolutely don't want people to feel that fearful or that anxious so to be able to send somebody home in a taxi which is what we provide you know we make sure people can get home we're not sort of saying somebody doesn't say to us you know I'm ready to go home and we go oh well that's fine bye we do a lot of planning for an exit we do a lot of planning to make sure that you know they know what they're going to do when they get home we provide a taxi which our service pays for so we want them to have had a situation where it's been so elevated and distressed and they're calm and they'll go home and they're safe. And, and we offer a ongoing support as yeah, well. Yeah, we always yeah. make sure that we call Follow them the next day yeah. if they want that. I mean, sometimes they might be so overwhelmed, they need a bit of breathing space, but we do offer that. And, you know, once people are known to our service, they can tap into what we do whenever. They might end up using the sanctuary again. They might end up using telephone support. Mm. They might... 
end up having outreach so you know there's lots of options we don't leave people kind of with nothing do we as no. they go they know that there is support out there amazing good yeah and Ruth public perception of this you guys have a have a, have a sort of can you get a grasp of what people are whether people are more um uh, sympathetic towards this or have more knowledge of it since 2017 up until now it, um, do you guys have a, any any figures where you know, comments on Facebook or people more people dropping in or fam- friends and family being more aware of the situations and the, the services that sanctuary have? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely more popular. I don't have any figures for you on hand now, but I think, you know, in fact, I think the figures that I originally um, read out, I think they need updating because I think we're seeing more and more and more people as the emergency services are more aware of it, you know, as new members of staff come on, some sometimes they're not aware they were, or certainly some some of the policemen weren't aware of this service so we are going in to the local police stations we're going into the emergency services and making them aware of our services so now they know that that's an option um because i think you know i guess naturally people would just take mm-hmm. anyone in crisis they'd just take them down to the hospital didn't even know so it's definitely people have been made more aware of it. Helps coming on podcasts like this mm. because people mm. know. Um, and like you, you know, you're saying you're working mental health yourself. That's another person who knows and can, you know, sort of let more people know about this service. And sadly, you know, I think as we know in Shropshire, particularly at the moment, suicide rates are on the up. So a service like this is going to be more and more used, I think. You know, we're going to see it even, even more popular, you know, than it is already. I like to... <laughs> It's a, it's a crazy thing because when you when you talk about sort of Facebook comments and the and the reels, it's like it's one of those things I do. I don't know if, why I do it. It's a stupid thing sometimes to look into those comments when you see a situation of so like we had a situation the other day where somebody had jumped off the bridge, and I was like, I'm going to look in the I want to look in the comments. I want to see what people are saying. And all it takes is one or two comments to be like, oh, I was late for work because of that. And you're like, oh, that's it's such a cruel world, you know what I mean? But then again, there are like 50-odd messages. I'm really sorry for about this, you know. Why do we focus on those those mm-hmm. tiny little negative comments, you know? And the, the viral video I, to, I was going to uh, sort of mention was there was a lady in a plane in America a couple of weeks ago, and she was shouting and raving about there was a guy in the back of the plane that wasn't real. And it went viral, like she was mm. screaming and shouting, that, yeah. that guy there is not real, he's not real. And she, she has to be taken off the plane. And um, the comments were just, obviously a, a woman in crisis. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, like a plain as day. And the comments are just like, you know, LSD is such a terrible drug. And, well, you know, like, uh, how's the crack? You know, and it's just like mm-hmm. all these horrible comments. You know, like, it's obvious as, as a lady in trouble there. And it, it's it's hard because I'm, I'm thinking like, I, I, we're living in a, social media is now, you know, at a point where we've been watching videos for years of people doing these things. How are people not more... Um, yeah, I think it's education. I, I, I honestly think, you know, I think because we all work in this field that we think that everybody thinks like us. And I think we were saying before, I think if, you, if you've had, you know, suffered with your mental health in the past, you're also just very, you're passionate about it. You want people to get mm. better. If you have no... You know, if you know, don't know anybody who suffered with their mental health or don't know about it, you do make, I think people make that judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think we've just got to keep educating people. And I also think people who make comments like that, you know, I think they must suffer with their mental health themselves to be, you know, one day just to make those sort of, you know, to make those comments, those snap judgments. Um, and I think the thing, you know, with suicide, you know, how many times did you used to hear, you know, that people who took their own lives, they're selfish or they're this mm. or they're that. 
And I think we're just starting, probably because of COVID, to take mental health more seriously. And people aren't being quite as judgmental as they were and taking it more seriously and taking their own thoughts and ego out of it and just thinking, oh, my goodness, how much pain was that person in? Which we did, you know, people didn't think like that before. So, you know, I think we are getting there. But yeah, those comments, I think you're right. I think you see a couple and you just think... You're hooning oh. on them, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> well, you want to educate them as well. You want you yeah. want them to come, in, come to a setting like the sanctuary. You want to, you know, give them some experience of a mel- mentally ill person and then say, now make your judgment, you know. Mm. And people don't get that. So you're all, they're always just sat behind their computers making those comments that can be quite, you know, upsetting for other people or for people who mm. work in this sector. I, did, I think they're playing chicken, aren't they, with that? They're, they're kind of like, yeah. they throw a comment like that and they're like, see let's see happens. how people react, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm probably going to sound really old here, but I'm hopeful that the younger generation are, you know, uh, a really aware and sensitive to issues and clued up and dare I say woke and all these things and I've got faith in the younger generation I've seen in in the well-being groups younger people supporting each other and there's no judgment between friends and they reach out and it's it's great to see um so I'm hoping you know the younger guys now will change things i do think it's when it comes to empathy i do think it's trickled down since like yeah the boomer generation the generation x yeah to myself and millennial to, to the to the i feel like it was a hard time when for, for the boomers you know yeah, and yeah. They, they suffered for hard times which they then inflicted that that for them frustrations on generation x which then infl- yes and it sort of trickled down i do feel like there is hope for empathy and compassion definitely um yeah fingers crossed you know, I think there's been some studies to say that, um, especially when it comes to environment and, you know, how they live, around, how people live. I feel like uh, the younger generation are starting to show signs of they actually care a lot more, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think, you know, you know, we've got well-being officers in school. We've got people, we've got people, schools in particular, taking mental health really seriously. I don't remember anything like that when no. I was in school. I, d- I didn't even know what mental health was. It just wasn't mentioned. You just sort of put up and shut up. And any situation that you were going off, that was going off in your household or parents splitting up or whatever that might be, grandparents dying, you know, those big things that happen when you were a child were just sort of pushed under the rug. And not, mm. you know, it's not our parents' fault, but... I think now we know that having those conversations eases, you know, the sort of pressures from a child and again gives them that language and opportunity to just get things off their chest and just, you know, be better humans who can have conversations a lot easier and don't feel awkward like maybe we did growing up. So, yeah, there's definitely hope. Yeah. Um, I feel like there, there are a few more opportunities for for people to blow off their steam a bit more now maybe they're not aware of it you know whether it's the gym whether you go to the football and scream and shout in a, in, in a crowd or whether you go for a run or whether you uh, play a sport or whether you write whether you make music or there are there are certain things where people might be like oh that's not going to help but you don't know to try you know um I, I work with young people for for years now and sometimes it's just about just trying one thing or another or another until you until something yeah. sticks yeah yeah you know and that's it and i think that goes partly down to our focus sometimes on our well-being you know i think years ago we had this historical thing don't we that we have our physical health we have to look after that mental health wasn't really spoken about unless it was considered bad keep calm and carry on yeah Yeah. um (laughs) all negative and that kind of thing but i think 
certainly with the generation, the younger generations, the sort of the education and knowledge that, you know, you have mental health, whether it's good or bad, mm. it's there as like physical health. And then the focusing on our well-being, on our self-care and being more proactive in that ourself can give us resilience and give us some strength. And I think, you know, I agree with Amanda. I think certainly younger people, you know, I'm so hopeful that they are sort of, I think they've got it. I think that they'll run with it. I think they need some support every now and again. Absolutely fine, because we all do, regardless of our age. But I think they've got it. I wish I brought it with me, but there was a great monologue that Susan Sarandon did in Rick and Morty. <laughs> it sounds like a bizarre thing to say, but the, Rick is a, a scientist who likes to uh, create and destroy, and he doesn't understand therapy. And uh, she she breaks off into this monologue and, you know, she basically talks about how looking after her mental health should be as important as brushing her teeth every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, and I thought it was brilliant. I'll, I'll have to bring that next time because it's actually really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, though, and I think it is. It's just something, and I think what good mental health can sometimes look like is, I don't know, your success or this, that and the other. And actually, it's really not. It's just being content, being present, having gratitude I think sometimes the well-being package has been sold in completely the wrong way. Mm. So yes. we need to teach yes. our kids yeah. resilience. <laughs> very passionately yeah. about that, yes. And it's, it's true, and I, d I don't want, you know, <clears throat> I am hopeful for the kids, but I hope they don't see what job they have or what trainers they're wearing or, you know, I hope they can see past that and yeah. actually just be present and, you know, yeah, you'll have a good day, you'll have a bad day, that's fine. Don't get weighed down with all the bad days, you know, don't let that yeah. sort of control you know your future just try and be as present as possible and just think oh you know every bad day is just a lesson and you know so that's definitely something you know is having three kids I'm trying to teach them yes. um more difficult you know as they get to their teenage years and they see these sort of what they're wearing or what they've got as a symbol of you know their worth where it's really really not but mm. you know yeah definitely hopeful. I, I feel like the, the last few weeks the few weeks few months um, I've been really trying for when it comes to things when you talk about material gains and and you know having a bit of status something as simple as a bottle of pop like prime like prime when absolutely yeah, in the faces I'm getting right now are you aware of prime? I think I've heard of prime yeah, yeah. Andrew Logan and KSI they, they created an energy drink that everybody went absolutely yeah. insane for kids were queuing up around the corner they were spending ridiculous <laughs> prices like that, that I mean, what do you do as a parent when you you thinking I'm not spending fifteen quid on a on a on, a, on an energy wow. drink because you really really want it and you need to be fitting with your friends? There are some ways where I think we need to do some work. <laughs> I feel yeah, like you know. Yeah. So my daughter went to the shop to go and buy this prime. A couple of her and her friends apparently was in stock at this shop. Anyway, they went to a shop. They didn't get it, and she'd got like her Go Henry card. So this shop, it was two pound. She went to this other shop. It wasn't in stock there. She spent £8 on a bottle. Well, I went absolutely bonkers, as you can imagine. But they do. They buy into it. She doesn't even like it. But it's because her <laughs> friends, it's the peer pressure. And then she shared it with everyone. So I was thinking, right, they all owe you £2 now. But um, yeah. but it's that thing, you're right. I think that I think she almost wanted it. And I guess people want it because it is that sort of, look, look what I've got. And I mean, we've all been there. I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, it was Sunny D or whatever the crazies yeah. at the time. Yeah. You've got to be yeah, drinking I remember it. that one. You couldn't yeah. have Happy Shopper, could you, in your lunchbox? <laughs> you had to have, like, proper... Panda Pop. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't have a 
Holland pop, no way. Yeah, because of shame. <laughs> With Tesco carrier bag. <laughs> but you know, and then when you, you talk about education, this is why I, why I brought this up. Is like how do you deal with a kid that can't go out and buy Prime and is feeling left out and is feeling isolated? Mm. That's when the issues start. When, when, when we're so young and we develop all these insecurities, but from those young ages. So, what kind of education can we put in place where we can say to each other, "It's okay to not be a part of the crowd." You can go and do your own thing. And this is what I've been dealing with with in your respect with, with, my, with my children is, is, is to say, like, it's okay to go and do your own thing. Yeah. yeah. My son, Timmy, has done one of the one of the – I'm so proud of him for doing this. He has decided he wants his hair slicked back. You know, think of Alex Alex Turner from um, Arctic Monkeys. That's how he's having his hair. Nobody in his, in his school is, is like that. It's very 1950s throwback. It's nuts, mm. right? And I'm like, he's got his own style. Yeah. Yeah. He's done his own thing. He hasn't gone, I'm going to do this same mm. thing. We're trying to get him to Jack Grealish shit down the side a little bit so it's tidy. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, kid. Yeah. I, I think, for me, I think that's what it's all about. It's about celebrating that. And Yeah, absolutely. And I think it starts when they're younger. And I'm thinking about someone I may or may not know as a male wanted some pink Furby slippers <laughs> and I fully endorse this, Absolutely. you know, and, yeah. and celebrate it. And I think it starts with those little things, doesn't it? You know, there was mm. no, oh, why don't you have some football slippers? It's like great pink Furby <laughs> squeaking noisy slippers. <laughs> Fantastic. You look amazing in your pink Furby slippers. I think it's about, Where you know, cry, exactly celebrating difference isn't it and and noticing them in a positive way and and celebrating mm. people for that yeah. Yeah. yeah people may remember early days of the biscuit i used to wear a backwards baseball cap everywhere i went i used to i used to have a whole range of them and um i'd turn up to like a few really posh award ceremonies with a, a plaid shirt and a backwards baseball cap because do you know what that hat meant a lot to me because yeah. it is me do you know what i mean and it's mm. it's like it's almost it sounds really ignorant to say it's almost religious to me it's like it's really it's that important because it's unique to me and i want to wear a hat like that yeah. so yes i'm going to turn up at the museum at this really posh year while you're wearing your suits in my cap that's how i feel yeah, yeah well yeah. you do you and i think yeah. that's so important i think we try and like sometimes and i'm definitely guilty of it you know with my girls you want them to wear what you want them to mm. wear and suddenly yeah. like my kids are getting to an age where they want to do do them and i'm like okay yeah. <laughs> you do you but can you wear your pink little frilly dress like it's really <laughs> difficult isn't it yeah. Actually, you do need to celebrate them just being individuals yeah so yeah. then they don't follow always follow what their peers do yeah. or you know it's um yeah it's okay to do you i guess and i guess as well with um when we talk about raising awareness having a day in particular yeah. in september where you guys can actually focus on raising awareness and how's the best way to make a noise out of it i mean um, how are your plans for this? I mean, I know we've got the podcasts going. What are you guys planning to do for it? Well, like I say, we're, in the, we're still in the fairly early planning stages, but we've got, you know, a team of volunteers, a team of staff who are going to be... So it, the plan is a 5K walk throughout town and we're going to have certain stop-off points. And on those stop-off points, we will have members of our team ready to give, you know, leaflets, information, um, anything we can to raise awareness particularly around suicide and just you know, obviously knowing that there's somewhere for people to talk who are in crisis. And what we often find, you know, like I was saying, you talk, start talking about mental health, person who approaches that stand might know their neighbour three doors down who's got, you know, who's suffering with mental mm -hmm. health. Everybody seems to know some somebody. So we just want to, you know, scream, shout, make everybody aware that there's help available. Um, 
raise some money so we can keep expanding our services um, and just draw attention and also to people who've lost their lives to suicide and those families and just sort of mm. honour those um, and say that we're here and we're trying to make a difference and we're trying to make change and we want to reduce those t statistics. Um, that's, you know, the main goal at the end of the day. So I think these regular podcasts are just a, such a good idea. I mean, this is something I wanted to do for a while. I mean, I think when I spoke to you during lockdown, I think I was saying, I want to do a, a live clinic. I wanted to do a live show, almost like this morning, you know, where they get people in to talk about their problems and stuff. But locally, I feel like there's there's such a, a, a great space for that on a podcast, you know? Definitely. But, uh, because, um, like we said, this this huge umbrella of mental health, well, let's talk about these different aspects. Last time we talked very much about grief, uh, and I feel like that helped a lot, a lot of people. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. Let's keep doing it, you know? Yeah, and I think we should. I think and we've got, you know, like we've got another guest who wants to come on, and I think there's so many more people are coming forward now and wanting to share their story because it's therapeutic for them and it helps other people. So I think there's definitely, you know, a space for it. Am I okay just to read just a couple of facts just you about carry suicide, on. just that I was looking today, because I just think it's quite interesting. Um, so on the World Health Organization website, they report that more than 700,000 people die into suicide each year, which I was just, again, I've never really looked at the statistics, but I thought that was just, you know, a crazy amount of people. For every suicide, there are many more people who attempt suicide. A prior suicide attempt is the single most important risk factor for suicide in the general population. Suicide is the fourth leading cause of death among 15 to 29 year olds. Again, it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? Shocking. Someone just so, people so young who haven't, you know, had chance to properly live your life again, mm. you know, at that point. I mean, I always say this to people. I think you're always sold that your teens are the best years of your life in your 20s. And for me, that certainly wasn't the case. Like, I didn't really enjoy school. And like your 20s, yeah, I mean, they're great party years, aren't they? But um, I, I just feel like I'm starting to live now. I'm a bit older. I'm a bit more settled. So, you know, you, you sort of look at that fact or and think, oh, my goodness, like, you know, if we could have got in there, education, told them that, you know, maybe it's okay. And I don't know if they'd have had the right support, you know. Until you difficult. get like uh, your kid asking you to, for advice on something that you really struggled with for, during your teen years. <laughs> like, how do you deal with heartbreak? Oh, well, <clears throat> there's like, uh, you know, millions of songs written about women for that reason, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we knew the answer then, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, communication. Yeah, communication. I think just, you know, and I think we've all, I, and I'm trying to do it with my daughter at the minute, I guess we need, just need to, I think you look at your parents and you think they just had it all figured out from the moment mm. you were born. And I think it's maybe just reminding them sometimes that we, you know, we felt like them and we're just all, you know, we've been there and there, there is, you know, the other side of this heartbreak or pain or whatever you're going through, but also knowing the signs of anxiety, stress, depression, so they can get the help they need for that. So it doesn't turn into sort of crisis, you know. I, so. I was just going to kind of um, reinforce what you said there. It's about kids and children understanding that actually sadness, anger, feeling low, you know, awkward, all these other feelings are valid and they are real and they are important. You know, you don't just have to feel the happy ones, the mm. inverted commas, the positive ones all the time. You know, it's normal. 
Yeah. Like you say to feel angry, it's normal to feel sad. It's and what not, to do with it, isn't it? not have it? the answers either. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That despair yeah. that you have when you're like... Yeah. <laughs> you just got to sit with heartbreak, actually, and eat your body weight in chocolate and... You know, like you say, listen to Alanis Morissette or whatever. But it, it is about that, isn't it? You yeah. have to sit in it. And, and it will, and it will go. go. And it will yeah. ease slowly. You know, it might take a bit of time, but it, yeah. you know, but it will. Yeah. And I think going back to those sort of feelings and emotions, like you said, Amanda, they're, you know, they're there. They're normal. They're there for a purpose. They keep us safe, depending on what yeah. it is that we're experiencing. And I think certainly from working from a point of view of children and young people in education, you know, normalizing all those feelings you know if we felt happy all the time we wouldn't know it was happy we would just know that's how we feel all the time we just wouldn't recognize it as being happy we have to have an understanding of everything as best as we can and go with that feeling and I think for parents if they can answer their young person's questions as honestly as they can to an age you know appropriate for their age and like you say not knowing is okay it's a case of saying you know what I don't know the answer to that but we'll find out well I could find out together or I'll find out for you or actually what do you think about it because I'm not sure and having that open discussion leads for young people to feel confident in asking it builds trust in relationships and that's what we want to build on isn't it that's sort of like communication like you said earlier I think bravery as well I feel <laughs> try not to be too personal but in, 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 you know in, in, a, in a breakup for example you know if you have if you had your song and you know, a lot of relationships have their song you know I think you need to listen to that song regularly after a breakup to strengthen yourself yeah and I said this to someone close to me recently and and he was like no I ain't doing that I was like but that's how you get stronger you know mm-hmm. um but I feel like I'm a bit of a hypocrite really because I can't I can't listen to the last Linkin Park album because of Chester Bennington dying mm. it makes me feel sad so I'm a bit of a hypocrite in that way because I, I can't listen to those songs because it makes me feel sad you know yeah I think you're just honest yeah. but there might come just... a time sorry to interrupt me no, there might come a time when you listen to them and you're like yeah and you're celebrating his life yeah know, give man. it time he was, give he was it pretty time. much telling people what he was going to do and then he did it like it was kind of like it was a very sad moment I think mm. well it's really sad and what was interesting to that did you see the, the what his wife posted a couple of days before he took his own life he was super happy he's super happy playing with his kids and I thought you know, again, we, we look, someone who's suicidal, you have a picture of them. And and that might be true in some cases. You know, they might look a certain way, present a certain way. But sometimes they might not, because I think what we touched on before is sometimes when someone makes that decision that they're going to do that, they feel a bit of relief. So they, because they know that pain that their feeling is mm. going to end. So they they have that sort of day or whatever with their family where it looks happy. So I guess why it's such a shock Mm. It's always going to be a shock, but you know, and even more so, I think that's what his wife was trying to get across on that video is sometimes it looks like this and you have no idea. No. Um, I suppose that's about not making assumptions and always being yeah. open minded, isn't it? And just yeah. being aware of how people feel. Um, yeah. I feel like sometimes it's, it's, it's good to, to blow up a bit. <laughs> To, to have a bit of good, a good blowout, a good cry, or a good, mm. oh, you know, yeah. it, it feels great, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I regularly cry to stuff all the time. I was trying, I was watching The Bear last night. I was trying not to cry. Yeah, <laughs> to say like I feel like, but I feel like that's healthy for me. I feel like if it didn't do that, then I'd probably just explode at one point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and that's good, and I think that's something that you can teach, you know, your sons and 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 all the time, and and the Absolutely. girls, you know, that's what we need to teach people. That is just a normal emotion, and actually, if you 
you know, again, if your brain's telling you every time you cry that you're a failure or whatever mm. because you're crying, it's like, it's not. That is just a normal emotion. You're going to have that in your life. But I think definitely when I was young, if I was ever upset, that's what that's what I thought. That, you know, mm. if you're crying, then you, you're, you're not happy. So, you know, and, and why am I crying all the time? So yeah. I think it is it's that education. Yeah, you're going to have all the emotions and that's okay. And, you know, don't try and stop yourself from crying. We don't want no. to bottle stuff up. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, I feel like as well, when. So, one of my favorite comedians on the planet is uh, Tom Segura. I found him later on in life. He's very. Um, he's not very PC. And when I was younger, I used to be like, oh, you can't say that. But I think as I'm getting angrier and older and <laughs> less patient, I'll listen to him and be like, yeah, you tell him, you know? <laughs> and I love his podcasts. He's got a, a huge range of podcasts. Now, he released a podcast recently. Um, it was a, a lady, I forget her name, because I've got no time for her anymore. Um, and she, what she'll do is she'll interview people, celebrities, and judge them on their first date and whether she would call them back, whatever. It's a superficial thing. It's really just And she was going, she, they released this reel on Instagram about and she was going, oh, guys, that is super emotional. And I just cry all the time. <laughs> got no time for that. And I was like, and I went in the comments, as I do, <laughs> as Fever mentioned to me. Um, and I was so proud of the comments. They were like, I ain't watching this. I'm sorry, I'll beat that out. But they were like, I ain't watching this. What a load of crap. We're allowed to cry. And they were like giving this woman's like, uh, really sticking up for wow. themselves. And yeah. I was really shocked because it was Instagram and Instagram can be quite... And I was like, yeah, fair play. I'm, I'm going to listen to that podcast. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? I thought that was... Just put that out there, like, mm. you know. Because yeah. we've, we've worked for years to say to men, yeah, it's okay yeah. to cry. <laughs> it's not a big deal. So <laughs> she's stuck in, what, 50 years, 60 years in the yeah. dark ages. Yeah. 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 And I love, I love, I, lo I love what they're doing at the moment. Him and Bert, um, Bert Kreischer and stuff, you know. So it was really hard, but I think I could just be angry at that lady mm. <laughs> and that show in particular a little bit uh, too, because like, like the the producers of that show have actually helped me recently with something um, I'm working on. Um, so I've, I've got an affinity to them. I like them. Yeah. But that really annoyed me, and I'm so proud of the people for standing up. Yeah. And I think it's about awareness, isn't it, about what people are talking about? Yeah, and that, you know, and that's exactly, you know, we, those comments, to be honest, I've not heard anything like that in a long time, so I'm glad no, those people me. shouted them out because... I think they removed it. I think they had to remove it because it got so much negativity. Yeah, <laughs> good. Well, that, again, shows that people are taking enough time to actually put her, you know corrector on that and actually people are starting to speak up because actually maybe a few years ago maybe someone wouldn't want to see their name mm. arguing with that you know with that lady but actually that just shows that times are changing and we're all human you know we can't put us into men and women like we're all human we've all got emotions i think i think as well like tom segura is one of those com comedians that's very much against cancel culture and the wokeness of it all, because I love, I love the fact that I'm woke. I love that. I think it's great. I think if I'm going to, um, <laughs> but I feel like it's been flipped on its head a little bit now with, by the, you know, by, by certain people in the media that it's bad to be woke. And but I feel like when you you, you can't mess with men's mental health. Yeah. You mm. you you cannot do that. I think that's why they took that down because it's like that's one line you just can't cross. Yeah. We we know as well that you know famously men are more likely to die of suicide, aren't they? Exactly. Um, under forty, under thirty, it's the biggest killer of men yeah. under thirty or something. And there so, are so many triggers to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it says yeah. here, yeah, since around nineteen ninety, men have been at least three times as vulnerable to death from suicide as women. Yeah. So not to say that you know women are definitely you know at, at risk of suicide too, especially with today's pressures like we were talking about mm -hmm. before the podcast. You know, we've got so many things so many pressures we're working more we're not just at home mm. we've got 
you know, like you were saying, perimenopause, we're a bit more aware of that now, looking after our elders. So it affects everybody, but men, you know, sadly, are still I did shout at you guys earlier as well. We're, before you came in, Marie, we were having this amazing conversation. <laughs> Stop talking. It's almost another podcast, to be honest. We were, yeah. <laughs> Get me back if you, if you put us all together. Give us a time to talk. And yeah. <laughs> if you do the perimenopause, get me back, yeah. please. We Please get me back. We did a, a great menopause episode with Susan Schrock as well, who's uh, she's a great advocate for pe uh, people going for the menopause, wants to get fit, and she's 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 amazingly fit. She's a great coach, um, and we did a great episode. So if you are listening to this and you want some information about menopause, go back and listen to our episode with Brilliant. Susan Schrock. She's mm. great. Yeah, fabulous. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, men. Um, suffering for that you know there's a there's a high percentage and the lgbtq plus community as well there is um there is a, a huge bump isn't there when it comes to to, to men in the closet or to, to whatever situation and trans, like, people trans people as well yeah mm. yeah it's a, it's a huge problem yeah definitely and again just by i think shining a light on this and um having these conversations we can help reduce that again we do have um from certainly who I speak to on the phone, we have an LGBT plus community. I think, you know, we have people who call our support line um, and, you know, we're glad that we can hear, we can offer a safe space for people to talk about what they're going through. But you're right, that's they're definitely more susceptible to suicidal thoughts and what mm -hmm. have you. So, um, yeah, so they can call our line whenever. I don't think I've mentioned that, but, you know, our number is 01743-368-647. And, you know, if we don't answer the call straight away, um, leave a voice um, a voice message or just try calling back again. Mm. There'll be someone there to answer the phone. So anytime, day or night, and we'll get back to you. So uh, just want to make sure if there is any warning crisis, you can call that number. Absolutely. What other statistics have you got on there? Have we gone through them all or is there anything else you well, need to Well, I think those were the most interesting ones. I mean, like I say, I think, um, like I say, men are at least three times more vulnerable to death um, from suicide as women. The research by Samaritans suggests that the greater risk is due to a complex set of reasons, including increased family breakdown, leaving more men living alone, and the decline of many traditional male-dominated industries and social ex expectations about masculinity, which is what we were just touching on there. They've seen their jobs, relationships and identity blown apart. There's a large gap between the reality of life for such men and the masculine ideal. And on the conversation, an online publication report done in 2020 uh, says that men have long been recognised for being the most at risk of suicide but the office for national statistics recently reported the highest annual rate of female suicides in the uk since 2004 oh. this increase in female self-inflicted death comes at the same time as concerns of the the pandemic may increase the number of people who attempt to take their own lives so yeah so it's a problem for both genders you know it's um and like I say, we what we're doing in September is we want to make a noise about it in Shrewsbury and Shropshire, and um, we, you know, it's a, we want to reduce that, those numbers, and we want to make sure that anybody who needs us know where we are. Um, we're such a, you know, we're so responsive and person-centered that we just want to make sure, you know, that this doesn't happen to anybody unnecessarily. That we can do everything we can um, to try well, and help them. As a, you know, a continuation of what we're doing here. I can bring a micro. You see, it's a 5K walk, right? I can do a 5K walk. 
<laughs> that's what I mean it's a nice family day out I mean you know you'll get a map you, you'll be able to hear about the work that we do we also again it's, it's in such the early planning stages next week I will nailed everything down but St Mary's Church is going to open for us and we're going to possibly have a sort of um, a piano that people can make a donation and go and play a little piano so it's probably going to be like a bit of a concert a bit of a show we might get a singing group there because we're just about to have a singing group here support group so maybe they can take part so it's going to be a lovely day out for everybody like I say 5k I think most people can walk 5k or if you just want to hang out at one of the stop off points come and see our well-being vehicle that's going to be parked outside the abbey um I think it'll just be a really I'll nice bring a microphone. day out. I'll come. I'll yeah, bring a microphone. Please do. Talk to people as we're walking along. That'll yeah, and we've got the High Sheriff, Mandy Thorne, who is a real advocate for mental health. I think you've you had her on the podcast, yeah. She's um I, I kind of nudged her at the um, the Bellevue Arts. Uh, no, it was the Shrewsbury Arts Trail. Uh, the, the, I was like, you're coming on my show. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, she's <laughs> wonderful. And, you know, a real advocate for mental health. Um, and knew someone when she was younger who lost her life to suicide so she's going to come and do a bit of a closing speech for us and just tell us about the work that she does how she's going to help us um so yeah so come along if you can okay <laughs> well we'll um we'll, we'll 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 stay hot on on that so any any sort of um posters or any links for anything you need send it my way and i'll get it on the biscuit facebook page um is there something that you guys need as a charity, is there something like, is there a service that you'd like to put in place? Is there a, a certain thing that funding can pay for? I'll, I'll go to the deputy manager. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> oh my goodness me. Oh gosh, that's, that feels like a massive question because my mind is just like going, oh my gosh, look, look at everything that we could do. What could we do? Um, donations are always really heartfelt gratefully received um and it's about a lot of what we do is about supporting people in the community so if people donate that's the more the money always stays within Shropshire we don't send it anywhere else so the more donations we get whether that's people's financial donations in money or in time in volunteering you know we're so grateful for that because we can do so many more services with it um I think for me personally, I'm always going to be passionate about children and young people. And hopefully one day, maybe we'll be able to offer something um, for children and young people, which would be great. We've got the wellbeing vehicle that goes out around Shropshire. Um, it's very big. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing space inside. Um, but, but Winnie, the wellbeing vehicle, she's getting a bit old now. <laughs> So um, a new bus would be absolutely amazing. So that's yeah. what we're working on. Yeah. It's quite a big target. But that's my job is yeah, to try and raise really... funds, just £100,000 <laughs> um, to buy a new vehicle. Okay. Um, it's just a small challenge. Yeah. But what we've, you know, Marie's been on the bus quite a lot and we've, you know, it is um, becoming quite a, a good tool and getting out there for marketing purposes sometimes, but mostly to offer support. And, um, yeah. we're, you know, we've done a, um, the last couple of months, we've been going into care homes and offering people, people who might, um, staff um, who work at the care home or family members or people in the care home. And that has been a real success. Um, we're able to take support out to more rural hmm. places or just, you know, taking it to businesses. People are coming out and actually sharing their stories. And again, it's that making it easy for someone to, um, you know, prioritise their mental health. So we, the vehicle, like Marie was saying, it's quite a big vehicle. It's it's a little bit um, 
I don't know how to... Yeah, it, we need a new vehicle, so... Um, uh, in, uh, with, with respect, uh, I was thinking about Lingen, the Lingen Davis truck, you know, that they've that's got, is that basically... Yeah, that's, what, that's what we look at. Yeah, yeah it's oh amazing. So that's me. what we're modelling it on, yeah. So it looks incredible. It's amazing. It's an amazing space. Okay, and that's cool. what we want, which is not quite what we've got at the moment. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we want to get, you know, we'd like... We, you know, if there are any businesses that want to support us, you know, doing any fundraisers, having fun with their team at work while raising a bit of money, whether that's, you know, wear a silly jumper on a Friday and making a donation, having a cake sale, having a bit of a challenge between all the uh, workmates, you know, step challenge or what have you. Since your truck just goes back. A small old one. Yes. <laughs> okay, I can hear it backfiring as a man. I'm joking. <laughs> Not quite that bad. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Yeah. But, you know, any businesses who want to get involved, you know, anybody who wants to do any fundraising for it, at the moment, that is where the funds are going to be going because um, we need a new vehicle. And like we say, we know it's an important um, an important tool and an important service now. So if there's any charity investment angels out there listening to this, you know, <laughs> please get in touch. Great, <laughs> what about you, Amanda? Is there anything that you'd like to see brought to to this place apart from the, the truck of course we'll put that to one side um i think like with marie i'll mirror what she says i'd like to see um a group of younger people um i think that would be really good yeah um, i agree something that younger people could access because as i said before i work mainly in the sanctuary and that's over 18 so it'd be quite nice to mm. to be able to offer some consistent support for for young adults be brilliant actually we've mm. got the, our staff here a lot of them are really experienced of, of working with young adults as well so be a good opportunity for our staff to use their skills too is there is there a way of approaching because i know it's really difficult to get a diagnosis for an awful lot before you're 18 um but is there a way of approaching therapy before you get that diagnosis i mean for us because we're person-centered we're not focused on any diagnosis anyway you know okay. we, we we will see people and talk to them however they present diagnosis or not and you know sometimes people come with diagnoses sometimes they don't sometimes they want to tell us sometimes they don't for us it's how people present in the moment so with younger adults perhaps who haven't been through the system inverted commas or don't have a diagnosis you know we we would just sit with them and and go with you know how they present and what help they need really so it would that's, it would be lovely to offer that wouldn't it mm. it would be absolutely brilliant yeah that's uh really nice to hear because <laughs> again try not to be too i don't want to get fired before, two weeks before i finish my job <laughs> but um over the years i, I i've heard i've heard i've had uh, situations where people are really frustrated because they can't get that diagnosis so they can't get the therapy yeah. they can't get the help it's an ongoing thing yeah. so to see that there's a bit of a lifeline here with, with yeah we like i said we it's all it's all about how people present in that moment we're super person-centered so you know some people might have a list of diagnoses mm. as long as they're arm and if if they don't want to talk to us about that or tell us about it that's absolutely fine but i i do understand why some people might want a diagnosis yeah but for mm. us it's what do you need from us how can we support you regardless of whatever label someone's given them i think it's only relevant to us if it's important to them yeah we don't you know, if they want to come in and they want to share that they feel that they've got, that they're neurodiverse, um, 
then they can talk about that if they want. I mean, we're not here to um, diagnose. We don't. And we're very clear um, that we are non-clinical. We remind people of that. Um, and I think that allows them to feel comfortable in having a conversation about what they think about themselves. Mm. Um, because sometimes people have got a diagnosis and don't agree with it. So um, by offering that person-centeredness, we'll discuss it if that's what they want to bring. Yeah, that's great. That's really, really good. Um I genuinely, I'm quite appreciative of that. After years and years of hearing the same thing, that's cool. yeah. yeah. And some people as well, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying diagnoses are, are a bad thing. I, I totally understand why people seek them out. But for some people, they find their diagnosis quite stigmatising as well. Mm. So, you know, we'll respond to what they bring to us mm. when they're here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've heard that as well. Someone will get it. Yeah. Uh, I knew someone, this is out of work and it's a friend as well, actually, so uh, nobody will know. But, like, uh, got diagnosed schizophrenic and was enraged. I'm not schizophrenic, you know? Yeah. Like, mm. I see that. Uh, uh, diagnosis can sometimes be a bit of a trigger for people, but, yeah. you know, that is the, that's kind of what it's looking at. So, yeah, yeah I get that. Um, Ruth, how can people that are listening to this help you guys? I mean, we talk about donations and stuff. But like out in the wider world, how people that listen to this, how can we they help you guys and mental health and that as that on the whole? You know, I think having those conversations, giving themselves that sort of dialogue and 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 educating themselves. So if they spot anybody who might be um you know struggling with their mental health, they're able to make that conversation. You know, this is we want everybody to have that sort of vocabulary to be able to do that and help other people stop it you know their mental health escalating to something that you know possibly we could um you know we could help with so and donations obviously like marie says you know we're always looking for donations if you want to support a local charity if you want um that money to stay in the community if you want to see our services grow then by all means you know you can contact um call the main number which i'll mention again at the end but contact me and we can work out a plan if you or your business want to support us um i think you know we'll keep doing stuff like this we'll keep making a bit of a song and dance about mental health yeah. until everybody takes it as seriously as their physical health. And in fact, what I'll do is I'm going to leave, because we do, we do today we found someone that very interesting getting on this particular show. Um, so um, we, we will speak to him. But also, if, you, if there is a, a specific thing you'd like us to cover on this show, get in touch and we'll, we'll, we'll try and find, between me, Ruth and the team here, we'll try and find a way to, to sort of uh, focus on that. So if there's a particular aspect of mental health you want us to, to discuss or if you want to come on the show itself, yourself, and talk about it, get in touch. Yeah, I yeah, think, you right. know, we just want more and more guests really because like I was saying, you know, the guy who, who's going to come on, that's a, another area of grief and loss and there's so many parts to it and it'd just be, yeah, really interesting to have these real conversations. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, has anybody got any messages or anything they would like to say before we get out of here? Because it's over an hour now. We <laughs> <laughs> we're still talking a lot, Ruth, aren't we? I, I know. Know. Like... I know. I could go on all day. Oh, I mean, like I said, we're so passionate about it. I mean, I will just say our number once more, if that's okay. It's 01743 368 647. Call us for whatever, you know, whether that is because you're in crisis, if you just need to talk to someone, if you want to hear more about our services, call that number and um, we'll help you as much as possible. Brilliant. Yeah. Can I just say one thing? And this is sometimes what I say to a lot of people I support because a lot of people will have the number and, go, and they, they sit at home looking at it or it's in their phone. 
and they'll say, oh, God, no. Should I ring? And I always say to them, pick up the phone and you can ring. So by sending that message to people that are questioning whether they should ring, yes, absolutely, just pick up the phone. They'll always be greeted by somebody that's willing to listen and that will offer the support. So don't think, should I? Think, I can and I will. Nice. That's really good. Well, I don't want to fuzz that up too much i think that's a really great way to end it thank you so much guys um thank you amanda nice to meet you thank you and you we'll get you on here again sometime you're great i'd love that yeah, yeah. it's really good fun yeah it really was <laughs> um uh, guys i will uh, add a bit on the end of this just to give you the, the numbers and the and the uh, and the details for um september as well, well yeah, yeah. Uh, the links um but thank you so much for inviting me along yeah thank, thank you. you thank you thank you so there we have it what a great episode that was again fantastic from those guys uh thank you to ruth marie and amanda for um donating your time to come and you know speak on the show and i hope this episode finds you well um i was just before i was editing i was just perusing on facebook and there was a plea for help for counseling um just out there on on, on facebook i'm seeing so much so much more now um more people sort of reaching out for mental health support which is which is where this is this is great you know um if you're listening to this and you think this might benefit someone then please tag them in the post or share it on facebook um send them the link or you just go to the shropshire mental health uh, support website which is shropshiremhs.com or Ruth gave the number at the end of the podcast there, which I'll repeat, which is 01743 368647. Um, I feel like I was quite candid um, in this podcast with some of the um, some of my own sort of uh, thoughts and um, some of the, some of the areas I felt like I was going wrong and some of the situations that are around me at the moment that kind of make me a little bit anxious. But I feel like it's really healthy to talk about those things. I feel like if you bottle those things up, um, it can affect you. And also, if other people hear that it's okay for me to talk about those things, they might talk about it as well. So, you know, um, talk about your problems. Air them out there, you know, and and, um, and don't let it don't let it build up. Right then, I want to say a message uh, to to people that are waiting to come on the show at the moment because uh, we've got a huge list of uh, a list that I've made, and there's also a list of people that have gone contact with me about coming on the show. And there are people that listen to the show that you know are probably waiting for me to get in touch. At the moment, I'm struggling with um, with scheduling due to me starting a new job. Um, I'm also going on holiday too, so August is a bit of a, a bit of a write-off for me, and it's really difficult to sort of schedule things in and and get things um, uh, cracking in that way. But uh, I just want to reassure people um, that are, are waiting to come on the show that there will be opportunities within the next few weeks. Um, I just want to get August out of the way. I'm working really hard at the moment to collect a lot of content so that I can start my new job. I can have this holiday with my family and things will just tick over nicely in August while I'm away doing those things. Um, and in the meantime, I'll, I'll be booking interviews towards the end of August and the beginning of September. We'll, we'll get back on track. Uh, so if you're waiting to come on the biscuit, um, um, I, I will get to you as soon as possible. And thank you so much for showing interest in coming on the show. Um, just, um, I apologize for, for any inconvenience. Um, 
And if this is your first time listening to Shoes and Biscuit, please give us a follow on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Threads, uh, we're on TikTok, and we're on LinkedIn too. So thank you so much for tuning into the Shoes and Biscuit podcast. Um, I really appreciate you and everybody that's been a part of this one. And I'll catch you guys next time. Peace out.